Cup final time, and there's no getting away from that. But we're going to make a quick diversion here before we bring on Luke Fox to talk about actual hockey in the series between the Blues and Boston Bruins to talk a little bit, just a little taste of the the juicy rumor mill that's already Mm, uh, getting fired up for the offseason. We can almost see it here. You can smell it. Um, Eric Carlson, Patrick Marlowe, Montreal Canadiens, Toronto Maple Leafs, Ottawa Senators, teams that are linked to people in the news here, whether it's players coming or going. Our man in Montreal, Eric Engels, very strong take that the Canadians should move heaven and earth to ink UFA to be Eric Carlson. If in fact it's true that for family reasons, his wife would like to be back in the Ottawa area where she's from. Maybe the senators are, maybe they aren't an option, but if Montreal just a couple hours down the road is Engels saying you got to do it. You certainly understand where he's coming from, but call me crazy. I don't know if I'm all in with both feet on that. If it's, Signing Eric Carlson to kind of a sweetheart deal, mm-hmm. man, you got to look hard at that. It's a combination of things. On the Carlson side of it, it's that he's, I believe, 29 now, a yep. lot of miles on a small frame, couple serious injuries. Mm-hmm. And on my end, I just have to say that I'm, I'm just coming around. It's taken me a long way to mentally get to a place where I accept the logic that even when you can add someone for just money, sometimes it's a bad idea because of the cap space they take up. Yep. But in this particular case, I mean, if you've got to sign them to a seven-year deal, I do think I'd be a little nervous. Yeah, I would too, unless it's it comes at some kind of a discount. Like, it, like if you can get them down to between eight and nine rather than between nine and 10, where I think this ends up, or even the high end, you get $11 million like Drew Daddy. If you can keep them between eight and $9 million, then that's where that value becomes enough that I'm willing to take that real risk. hard not to at that point. Yeah, But still the ideal contract for me for a team like Montreal is five years and between nine and $10 million that way. Like you go to the full seven, he's going to be 36 years old. You know, you're taking a real chance for a long time. You're tying down a lot of cap room there and Montreal too. Like they have, really turn this into a, not really a full on rebuild, but like a retool that really is working out. Like Suzuki looks like he's going to be an NHL or next year. Ryan Paling. Well, I mean, what a start that Put was him in for Hall him. Of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Uh, yes. Barry Kakanyemi, a great rookie season. Like the number one need for the Canadians for a while has been centers. And now they're almost overflowing with them you can kind of be patient. Now, on the other hand, that almost gives you the freedom to, or, or the courage to go out and throw that kind of money at Carlson, because you know, for at least the first couple of years of that, you're going to have some potentially impactful youngsters making entry level contract money. So now is the time to go at this when you are, you know, you're still paying big money to carry price as he crosses 30 years old, Shea Weber, big money as he's heading into his mid thirties. Like those guys at some point here are going to start slowing down, probably Weber first. And then that, that kind of changes your entire outlook for the team. So it is a, an interesting spot for the Canadians. I'm not like Eric. I wouldn't go seven years and an $11 million AAV. That's too much of a risk for me. But again, like if he wants to go there and you get five years and eight to, or and nine to $10 million, that's the sweet spot. Any team to me that, that is going to offer max term and $11 million is probably someone that 
isn't really going to contend and is maybe a little desperate. I'm not saying they would do it, but like the Vancouver Canucks are kind of in that window. And does Eric Carlson really want to go to a team who's in that shape? I, I don't know. Like he might be enough given the prospects that are there and coming up and the year like Max Domi just had, like he might be the guy that really puts Montreal in, in a good position here to, to move up and maybe, maybe take a shot. It really is going to come down to Carey price, of course, but that all-star, that superstar, that difference maker could really be something that launches the Habs. Well, and Eric had a great point in there about like, look around the Atlantic division. It's loaded. It's loaded with yes. talent. And if you want to keep up, you know, yes. you're going to have to do something and, and that's fair enough. But I tend to agree with you that the, a team that it makes sense to cut the huge check for Carlson is a team that's saying we need a huge talent injection. Yes. We've got to do something to jolt the system here. And I actually, I mean, yes, the Canadians really do need more talent, but it seems like it's kind of on the way. Yep. And I, I feel like it's almost bet you're almost better off keeping that cab space to see which of your lottery tickets come through here. And then you've still got that flexibility. So yep. we'll see how it plays out. So let's set the Canadians part of this discussion aside, and let me just check in with you. There's no world in which you could see Eric Carlson returning to Ottawa, is no, there? I can't. Was it Dorian who said sometime after the trades that their dressing room now was more like a democracy than a dictatorship? Yeah. And that, to me, was clearly directed well, at Wayne Scanlon on our podcast made reference right. to that vibe being very different in yes. the room, right? Yeah, so... First of all, you've already committed to this total scorched earth rebuild, and you're off to a decent start with that. I mean, it could be better if you had your first round pick, but you've got Eric Branstrom, you've got Thomas Shabbat, so your blue line is looking pretty good for the future. Yeah. Brady Kachuk, like you're not in a bad spot there necessarily. Um, to then go back and add Carlson into that room again. I don't know. If that's really how it was, I wouldn't want to be, be it, doing that. It just doesn't feel right on either side. And I understand there could be outside considerations driving the bus from Carlson's end here, but yeah, it's just one of those things where as odd as it sounds, yeah. I just not sure that you'd want to throw Carlson back into the mix despite yes. that. I mean, let's not lose sight of the fact that this guy can be kind of a force unlike any other from, from the blue line, but it, it just, they're doing something different. That ship has sailed, right? It, and it, it if you, if you want to read Eric's piece, it's up at Sportsnet. And if you want to read Wayne Scanlon on yeah. why he, you know, sort of just, I, I thought he made a great point that like sometimes in sports, it seems like things have been going on forever. Cause they're yeah. so, you're so emotionally wrapped up in it. And, uh, it, it feels like, you know, he, he was like, it, it seems like three years ago, Carlson played here, you know, like it, it's just, I think both sides, but certainly the, from the Ottawa perspective, they kind of moved on. Yeah. Can we just sit back and just look at this and think back to if we were talking about a year ago, Eric Carlson, Oh no, I don't think he's a fit here. I don't think he's a fit. Oh no, yeah, I wouldn't give him max term or $11 million. How crazy that would sound. And let me jump in and say the team that, or the situation where I do think it makes sense is the Tampa Bay situation where mm -hmm. you're really throwing everything at the wall to get over the hump. You know, it can only work there if it's on a team friendly deal. If it's a situation where you're like, we're just throwing another bullet in the chamber here because we got to find a way to make this happen. And you know, they're going to have to sacrifice a little to clear the space. I don't know for sure if they can do it, but I, I do like the idea of that team as a fit. Yeah. So I did my best to 
and this article is on sportsnet.ca. I think it was two weeks ago. I did my best to try and figure out, okay, what does Tampa have to do to fit him in here? Thinking, first off, he's got to take, like he's not going to be signing there for $11 million. The, the tax implications are, they're not the same. They're very low. Um, like if you had to assume that he would get something in line of what Victor Hedman has, 7.5, maybe yeah. $8 million. He's got to take less to go there, whatever. If you're assuming that's his money, First of all, you got to get rid of Ryan Callahan, which I think is a given anyway. They're trying to do that for sure, yeah. But you look up and down that roster, other than that, there are so many guys that you would prefer to trade to make this room that you can't because they have no trade clauses. Tyler Johnson, Andre Palat, no trade clauses. Yanni Gord, you're probably not going to trade no trade clause. Alex Kalorn, no trade clause. The only guy, uh, the only other guy besides Callahan that makes any sense um, is JT Miller, who you just got last year and you've re-signed. He's making just over $5 million. And he, he kind of brings value in that he's, he's not, I wouldn't call him big, but he plays big. And that kind of net front sure. presence, that that's a, that's a good thing and a different look on that team. And so I could, uh, my conclusion coming away from that was, okay, I, you can fit him in for this price. If you move these guys off and whatever for next season, the problem became after this season, because a year from now, Braden points going to be making tons and tons of money. Andre Vasilevsky is going to be an RFA yeah. uh, next summer. Mikhail Sergachev is going to be an RFA next summer. Who knows what Anthony Sorelli does next year, but he had a great season this year. He'll be an RFA next summer. So you can just barely with those two moves and that cap hit fit Carlson this year. That's fine. It's the ramifications of what comes in the years to follow that make fitting him into cap, uh, to Tampa's cap situation such a huge challenge. So before we bring Luke on to talk about the final, let's briefly talk about the team that Boston uh, beat in the first round on its journey to the final, the, the Maple Leafs. Uh, news coming out in the past little while, I don't think a shocker that they're looking for a partner with regard to Nikita Zaitsev, a right shot defenseman, just based on that fact, there's probably going to be some kind of market there. But, you know, I think the bigger news, Patrick Marlowe, it it pretty Mm -hmm. much sounds like he won't be back with the Leafs. What do you make of where the Leafs, what, what the Leafs options might be in terms of both of those players? And I like how this defense shapes up is going to be fascinating. If those guys go, can they keep Gardner? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it opens up the door that they could possibly keep Gardner, and that would be a huge win. Um, I think that they'd probably have to add a decent sweetener to a Patrick Marlowe deal to get it done, because first of all, if it happens, he's probably going to a West Coast team, and then some teams, it seems like, have already fallen out of this. Like, Arizona wasn't too interested, or they wanted too much. Um, Colorado doesn't seem too interested. Like, the market just seems to be getting smaller and smaller and smaller, uh, on the 31 Thoughts podcast, Elliot Friedman said he didn't even think San Jose was interested in bringing him back, and they have their own stuff to figure yeah, out this year anyway. Um, so that right there is going to make it really, really tough to move him. Zaitsev is a little different, I think, because, okay, has he fallen off from his first year in the NHL? Yes, but, you know, he's still a de- He could be a number four on some team's defense that needs an upgrade there. Like, I think you'll have a bigger market for that, especially if the guy wants to leave, right? The Dallas Stars, I think, are a pretty decent landing spot for a guy like Nikita Zaitsev. They That would be an upgrade right away on Roman Polak as a UFA. And, you know, they're just a strong defensive team. I think, you know, you know who your top three guys are on that Dallas team, Lindell, Heiskanen, Klingberg. He could be a four there. He could be a five there. 
um, and fit in pretty nicely. And his cap at just over four, it's not bad. It really isn't. I was just thinking that four or five is that's in the realm where you're like, I'll take that risk. Yeah. It's for five years. And again, every year that he's, that he's there, that cap hit percentage is going to be less and less and less. It's going to get better. So, you know, he can give you decent minutes and, and maybe he's got a little bit more offense to him. Probably not if he goes to Dallas, doesn't score a heck of a lot of goals, but he's probably still got that kind of upside in, in him. I, I don't think that's bad. If he wants to move on, you're going to be able to find a taker for him. He's a right shot. Like you'll get something. You don't have to add in another piece to get a deal done. I, I think that one, I think they're both slam dunks to get done. And that's incredible for the Leafs to open up the cap space that they need to take care of their business. Just, just get in business. Yeah. yeah. For, yeah. Forget uh, adding more pieces just to do their own housekeeping. All right, enough of the uh, off-season preview. Let's get to the here and now. On the other side of the break, we will bring in Luke Fox. He joins us from Boston, where the Stanley Cup final is knotted two games apiece. Luke will be taking a uh, big-picture view of what's gone on so far and what he thinks may still be yet to come in a series that is now a best two of three. Stick around for that on Tape to Tape. podcast is brought to you by the next generation GMC Sierra Denali, complete with the world's first six-function multi-protocol gate. Summer is on the way, which means softball beer leagues, beach volleyball, and patio season. The Sierra Denali's gate comes with a built-in load stop to keep whatever you're traveling with in place and turns into a step for easier access. Once you arrive, it can also become a work surface that includes a power outlet. So, whether you're loading a tackle box, working on a project, or tailgating at the game, we've got you covered. GMC Sierra Denali. We are professional grade. Welcome back. To take the tape, we are pleased to be joined on the line now by Sportsnet's Luke Fox, live from Boston. Luke, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm just about to catch uh, a train here in Boston. The, uh, the, pra- the practices have just wrapped up. So you're safely back in Boston after uh, in between games four and five. We love uh, we love the the transit man in the background giving us a real <laughs> authentic Boston feel. My inside sources in the studio tell me you had a hell of a time getting to St. Louis between games uh, two and three. Oh, you heard about that? I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I ended up spending a night in in Washington, uh, which would have been great for the 2018 final. <laughs> <laughs> The 2019 final. Uh, yeah, a little uh, uh, trouble at the airport, um, some bad weather, and ended up in Norfolk, and then it ended up in D.C., and had to to wait a, a night. But the good news is my luggage and all my clean uh, clothes made it on time. Nice. Bonus. <laughs> it, was, it was just me in a backpack. Well, certainly yeah. n- not an uncommon story for the Warriors of the Road. I know uh, our Sportsnet co-worker, Christina Rutherford, uh, wound up in Kalamazoo at some point. Uh, the, the same place Jordan Binnington spent some time on her <laughs> way to St. Louis, but eventually 
did make it to the city and it's been pretty entertaining hockey uh, when you've been there to see it. Uh, what do you make of uh, what we've seen so far? And I guess um, I'll get you to cast ahead here. We know there's going to be at least two more games in this series. Uh, anything jump out to you as what might be the tale of, of how things go here over the next uh, week or so? Yes. The biggest thing is when it comes to special teams, it's all Boston Bruins. Um, the Blues can generate nothing on their power play. It looks slow and deliberate. It, there, there's no movement. There's no creativity on it. And the Bruins penalty kill, killers have done an excellent job. And it's been the exact reverse when the Bruins have the power play. They're, they're vicious. Like this, this, this Bruins power play will go down as one of the best playoff power plays probably ever. It, they're just operating at such a phenomenal rate that the Blues can't, can't test the their luck against it anymore. So as long as the blues stay out of the box, I think they have the edge five on five, um, especially now that uh, Zdeno Char is, I would say highly doubtful uh, for, for game five, at least. And, um, you know, Matt Grizzlick is a maybe now too. He, he practiced today in a, in a red non-contact sweater and he's still going through concussion protocol. So um, if, if the blues can keep it five on five, I like their chances. If they if they're not disciplined enough, then um, I think it sways a bit back uh, more to the Bruins side of things. So <laughs> that guy in the background is really <laughs> getting in there. He um, wants on this pod. He does. <laughs> um, I want to ask you about Chara. Now he's 42 years old now, so you know, long past his prime days and everything. We all know about the the legend of Zdeno Chara through the years, but what like what? Does his absence, what would his absence from that roster, from that lineup mean in the Stanley Cup final? Like what even today at 42, does he give the Bruins that maybe nobody else can that they would really miss if he has to sit out game five or maybe even the rest of the series? Well, two things. For one, he kills penalties, which is key. And the other thing is he's a big, durable body. And the Blues' whole plan of attack is to dump it in um, you know, it's not pretty hockey. Dump it in and check and pressure. And he, his experience and his size, he's used to being pressured and um, getting under fire in a forecheck. So he, he knows how to, you know, make the safe play, make the smart play. Whereas, you know, when you get down to the Stephen Campers of the world or um, potentially even, you know, if they have to go deeper into this young Finnish prospect who's played less than six periods of NHL hockey, then, then you're in real trouble. And then Cassie was also mentioning that there are some intangibles that Chara brings, you know, um, some poise and some leadership that's uh, suddenly missing from the room as well. This time of season, you always talk about, like, a, a team wants to get momentum going, momentum on their side to, to build something. But this series, like game one is all Boston, basically, most of it. Game two is all St. Louis. Game three, Boston wins in a landslide, and then St. Louis comes back in game four. I mean, does momentum mean anything at all in this series outside of, you know, just what happens in one game? Is there any momentum at all that is carrying from one game to the next? Or, like, can you explain these wild swings from one game to the next where, like, they're not always even close. Like, a team is carrying the play for long stretches and then the next game it seems to be the other team doing it yeah it's because you have two really good teams at, that don't get rattled 
that's what's really impressed me by going into the rooms and talking to these guys, like Tukarask even after uh, Game Four's loss, and Gloria's ringing throughout um, Enterprise Center, and he looked like the exact same as he did after a win. He was calm and cool and said, "Yeah, that's fine. They tied it up. You know, we knew it was going to be a long series. You know, now it's a best of three. There, neither team has seemed that rattled." And um, having covered the, the final last year, it was pretty evident after, you know, probably game three that the Golden Knights uh, were rattled and they started making excuses. And, um, you know, you could tell that they, they had met their match. You can't tell with this series. It, it, this one's too hard to predict because both teams are so resilient after a loss and, and just have these blinders on. Um, even today, the Blues, they, they wouldn't bite on anything regarding Chara and, and the idea that this might um, open up an opportunity for them, making it easier for them to win the Cup. They were just like, doesn't matter. doesn't matter who, who they have. They're a great team. we got to play our game. Um, both these rooms are, seem so focused into themselves that, um, like you said, message does not carry from game to game whatsoever. So, Luke, you're in Boston now, a great sports city, as we know. But I, I am curious what your takeaway from the vibe in St. Louis was for a couple of games. We know we're going back there for a sixth game. I mean, it's been so long, such a uh, such a journey without being in the cup final for this team, which largely throughout its history, so competitive, but uh, just hasn't been on the biggest stage. What was your takeaways from uh, a couple games in, in St. Louis? Well, it's it's a, a very different scene, and I, I think the people are, um, I would say, a little bit more excited just because, you know, to be honest, Boston sports fans, they've, they've been a little bit spoiled across all the four major sports. No kidding. Yeah. So, but St. Louis, it's, it's really incredible how they embraced it. Like, you know, you just see uh, common fans out at all hours of the day wearing their blues gear, happy to, you know, wanting to come up and talk to you even though you're a stranger. But, oh, why are you in town? Are you here for the blues? And then they just would latch on and, and want to tell you stories and, and talk about uh, their love for their team. And uh, it, it really is something. They've flooded the streets. And what, one thing that really stood out is, there was a, a Cubs-Cardinals game going on the same day um, as Game 3 in St. Louis, and there were more people um, wearing their blues gear and heading towards Enterprise Center than to Bush Stadium. And, um, you know, if you know that the Cardinals kind of dominate that town, it, it was a really telling all right, Luke, so we've seen uh, leading man of Mad Men fame, John Hamm, uh, supporting his blues. We saw Nelly. The brilliant rapper Nelly firing the crowd up in St. Louis, but you posted a pic from Boston uh, with rapper Lil Nas X, uh, I think after game one or two. Now, I'm going to just dive right into being a middle-aged white guy here. I had never heard the song Old Town Road before <laughs> last week when I uh, had to go to Detroit for work, and I heard it a couple times on the radio, and I was like, oh, but what's this jam? We don't, we don't <laughs> even have music. Uh, I've never heard this on Canadian radio, and then came to find out that it's all over the place, and I'm an idiot. But give us uh, uh, the story of how you ended up in, in a photo with uh, Lil Nas X. Well, I asked to, I asked to talk to him because... I find it um, really interesting what the NHL has been doing lately around their, their big events. And this is uh, spearheaded by their relatively new COO, uh, Steve Mayer, who's won a bunch of Emmys and, and did a lot of TV and event work before he joined the NHL. 
Um, and, you know, if, if you recall the scene last year with uh, Panic at the Disco playing on a little island right in the Bellagio Fountains, or they had Sting and Shaggy performing at the, at the steps of, uh, I believe, the National Portrait Museum in downtown Washington, and picking these strange places and trying to get bands that have nothing to do or artists that have nothing to do with hockey. Um, there seemed to be like a, a trend earlier on for the NHL to try to find guys that had some sort of connection with hockey. And uh, Steve Mayer is kind of like, it doesn't matter about that. We want guys with massive audiences. And so Lil Nas X had, you know, that Old Town Road song is, had like eight, eight straight weeks at the top of the charts. It was the biggest thing going. So he landed him, threw a, a Bruin sweater on him. So I got to talk to him about his his love of sports and hockey, which, which pretty much started that day. He, nice. He had, yeah, like he, he had no hockey knowledge whatsoever, but he went to his first game and it was, and it was a Stanley cup final <laughs> game and he, and he loved it. And he was signing little kids foreheads and uh, amazing. Uh, yeah. And, and having a great time. So uh, then he tweets it out and then he gets a, the attention of, of Tom Brady, which was, which was really cool. Tom Brady tweeting out Lil Nas X's NHL performance and so that's kind of the thing the league is going for is trying to get, um, you know, eyeballs of the, the casual fan or the non-fan that they're suddenly paying attention to it through music. Nice. Yeah. I mean, forget connection to hockey. You just want artists with a connection to people in general, right? And especially uh, the younger crew. So uh, good on the NHL for having that realization. All right, man. Well, safe travels the rest of the way on your train ride, the rest of the way throughout the series. And we'll see you uh, when you're back at the conclusion of the final. Awesome. Thanks for having me guys. You know what I was thinking of the whole time we had Luke on there, Rory was the brilliant movie, the fugitive Tommy Lee Jones in an all time performance is trying to find Dr. Richard Kimball, Harrison Ford uh, on the run, wrongly accused of killing his wife in the unlikely event. You haven't seen the movie, go check it out. And the way they finally figure out where he is, is they have taped, uh, uh, they've traced a phone call he makes from a payphone, And in the background, they hear the subway <laughs> saying next stop, such and such station. And they're like, Oh, he's back in Chicago. The whole time I heard the, I was going to say the TTC guy, the transit voice. I was like, I am the scene from the fugitive is playing over and over, uh, in my head. Uh, yeah, it's funny where the mind goes. Luke, I think, is uh, having a good time out there mm-hmm. on the road, travel snafus aside, but uh, he's right. It's I've noticed before, uh, actually, with the Boston Bruins, not this year, but the year before when uh, they were playing the Leafs, as an outsider, you tend to think, oh my God, these guys must be devastated when they lose a big game or super high when when they when they win one. And I mean, we all, we've all heard people say, don't get too high, don't get too low, but there really are... Um, teams and athletes out there who I think really put a lot of emphasis on the routine and mm-hmm. just, you know, as Luke said, Rask said, we knew it was going to be a long series. That realistically means they were going to win a couple. We we're going to win a couple. We're still well within our goal of, of what we want to do. And yeah, they just, I don't think it's nearly the roller coaster. We think it is as we're on the couch going, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's just not, how they react to these things. Yeah. Brennan Shanahan did a, a quick Q and a video with Steve Dangle at funny enough, the NBA finals yeah. media day. And Steve asked him, you know, about, about preparing for a game as big as one you'd see in the final without, you know, overthinking it and it getting in your head and everything. And Shanahan's answer was basically, 
you know, you got to treat it like any other day. Like if, if your, if your routine was you eat pasta every night, then you eat pasta that night. If your routine is you have a three o'clock in the afternoon nap, then, then you take that 3 PM nap, whatever you do for a mid January game, whatever you do that day, do the same thing for this big game that you're heading into. It, it is different. It's completely different than anything else. It's on a much bigger scale, but everything about preparing for that has to be exactly the same. Nothing can change. Every, everything has to be the exact same. And I think the only players really that it might have an impact on are rookies, yes, young guys sure, that young, haven't gone through sure. it before. No and, doubt. And, and I think that speaks to where veteran leadership might be a, a factor. Um, you know, you, you hear about it all the time. We wonder like, what does that mean? You want younger players now to be your stars and everything like that, but you need, this is where you need the guys who have been there before Steadying to kind of settle hands. everything. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, it should be fascinating to see how this thing goes. Do you kind of feel like it's just going to wind up going seven here? I mean, that's what it feels like, right? It's one and then it's the other. And like, like Luke was talk, touching on there, there's absolutely no momentum. It's hard to get a read on. Like, I can't predict who's going to win the next game. I have no idea what's, what's going to happen. Jordan Bennington might have a terrible one, sure, but then I would bet on him having a, an amazing bounce back. Cause that's what he's done all playoffs long. But yeah, I mean, that's just the ingredients for a seven-game series. All right. Well, we are coming down to the end, and make sure you are tuning into uh, Sportsnet to catch all the action. If you want to follow Luke, see who he's, he's in a picture, what famous person is in a, a Luke's next photo, you can follow him on Twitter at, at Luke Fox Jukebox. All right. We're going to put a bow on this episode of Tape to Tape coming up on the other side of the break. I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. subscribing to multiple streaming services to get your sports fix introducing sportsnet now live stream the nhl nba mlb indycar and much more all in one subscription you can stream on the go or at home on your big screen from the most popular devices including smartphones and tablets apple tv xbox and chromecast Sign up for as long as you want and cancel whenever you'd like. New package options available beginning at $19.99 a month. View snnow.ca for more details. All right, we are back. Before we get out of here, just wanted to touch briefly on the Edmonton Oilers hiring Dave Tippett. So your new regime there, officially Ken Holland, GM Dave Tippett, very, very capable mm-hmm. head coach. I mean, Edmonton is a team we were keeping a close eye on, definitely on the short list of teams that could make some interesting moves in the offseason. What do you make now as a, a, a slightly fuller picture starts to take form in Edmonton? Well, you, you can't ask for a much better team to build this no. thing, eh? I mean, it feels... It feels kind of similar to when Trelly first landed there, though. That yeah, he was he also was the true. right guy. Yeah, <laughs> so so we'll see. Um, you know, I I just think it, it's a little it's a little overblown that Dave Tippett is this 
defense only coach. As he said in his introductory press conference, his break into the NHL was as a power play guy. And I think we just think of him as a defense coach because of what he did in Arizona. And that was more of, he doesn't have players that score tons of goals and get tons of points. Like Shane Doan and Radham Verbata, Martin Hansel, like these guys are your, are your score. That ain't the 84 Oilers. Yeah. Ray Whitney, I think, think scored a career high there for them one year. You kind of had to be defensive or at least more structured to, to fight through. He's never had a player as capable offensively as Connor McDavid, maybe not even as Leon Dreisaitl. I think the best player that I can recall Dave Tippett having was Mike Medano in Dallas, and he was in his 30s by the time he got there. So, again, these are prime guys. I think you're going to see, you know, you're going to see structure he's going to want to put in there. They are going to have to be better defensively anyways, but I think their blue line is going to turn out better than we think right now. Like Oscar Clefbaum, as long as he's healthy, I think he's got a better year in him. Darnell Nurse is a stud, I think, and he's still coming along. Andre Sekera had a great world championship. And again, if he's healthy, was it you or somebody was telling me like, is this reminiscent of Andre Mark? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah I had that in uh, actually talking about contracts that other teams might be willing to take. If the Oilers right. ha- want to go the route of clearing space right. via Sekera, he's someone you might look at and go, well, look, we'll give him a shot. Yeah. And then you got Evan Bouchard who's going to yeah. make his way up. Maybe next year we'll see. Um, you know, I don't think that defense is so bad. I'm Larson. Maybe they trade him. Maybe he's one of those contracts they offload. Um, it's going to be an interesting summer because it, it did seem at Ken Holland's introductory press conference that they were still kind of, they weren't going to force this thing to get into the playoffs next year. They were still taking a, okay, step back. How do we get this thing back on track so that we can contend for a while and you can't rush into anything. Still got to figure out who the heck their goalie is next year. You're not going in f- next year feeling good. If Miko Koskinen is your number one, they got to find some scoring wingers. And that brings us to some of the young kids like Kyler Yamamoto missed a lot of the season with an injury. And what the heck is Yessi Pugliarvi? And, yeah. and how do you value him? If you still want to trade it, like it's no secret that, you know, him and his agent have said they would prefer to get out of there and start fresh somewhere new. But does that mean that you give up on a fourth overall pick? Like, do you add him in a trade just to dump a salary? That for me is too far. I wouldn't want to give up on him too early, especially since that's exactly the type of player. If he hits his potential that you need right now, that's going to be one of the toughest things I think for Ken Holland and his staff to figure out is a, can you salvage the guy's career in Edmonton and B, if not like, do you just, forget about the sunk cost and just offload them? Or how do you, how do you value that in a trade? Cause no one's going to come and pay you anything for him. Holland's just going to be shocked to ha- be dealing with a guy who was drafted fourth overall yeah. because in all this time <laughs> in Detroit, there's no way they had a pick. Uh, I think six last year was the Sedina. highest since like yep. the nineties. Right. right. So yep. a little bit of a different landscape. It will definitely be fascinating to see the next time you hear from us, we're going to have a 2019 Stanley Cup champion. So we'll, of course, go back and reflect on the series uh, that was that we still don't know exactly how it's going to play out. Should be uh, interesting to see and exciting to see the rest of the way. After that, things are becoming fast and furious draft right around the corner and then free agency after that. June is always an exciting time in the hockey world. Make sure you're following everything happening around the world of puck on sportsnet.ca. Follow Rory on Twitter at Rory Boylan, myself at Dixon on Sports. Check back next week for more glass rattling hockey action on Tape to Tape.
where you are, so I can come meet you, and you can turn yourself in. I'm not gonna turn myself in. I need help, I need money. I might be crazy, but that train sounds like an L. St. Louis doesn't have an elevated train. How do you know it's an elevated train? You know, I think he's right. I lived under an L for 20 years. No, well, then you can explain the difference in the sound of an elevated train as opposed to a train that's running along the ground. You must have ears like an eagle. Play that back. I want to hear the sound of an elevated train. All right, wait a minute. Now, what cities have L's? Uh, New York's got an L. Chile. We do. We got an L. Milwaukee's got an L. Hold it right there where the lawyer says that he sounds guilty. There's bells in the background. There's a guy on a PA. I want to drop everything but the guy on the PA. Can you do that? Yeah, I'll try it. Hold on, Sam. Walter, this is Richard. Richard? Jesus. Yeah, right there. Why did you run? Running only makes What's he saying? Sound like next uh, stop. Sound like next stop. Do that again. Why did you run? Running only makes you look guilty. Next stop. Merchandise Mart. Son of a... Their boy came home.